Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew, and this is the Culips English Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Chatterbox, the Culips series designed for intermediate and advanced English learners, where we present natural, unscripted conversations about a wide range of interesting issues. Maybe it's a current event, maybe it's a trending topic, or sometimes even it's an interview. And that's what I have prepared here for you today: is another interview. So, in a recent Chatterbox episode, I interviewed our Discord mod extraordinaire Alina. Did you hear that episode? Actually, if you haven't heard that episode yet, I'd recommend that you go back and listen to that interview first, and then listen to this interview today. Because I think it's better if you listen to it in that sequence. I'll put the link to the interview with Alina in the description for this episode. The reason I say that you should listen to that episode first is because you could consider. Today's interview to be a follow-up to that conversation I had with Alina, because today I'm going to be talking with her husband, with Alina's husband. His name is David, and I'm really happy to welcome David to Chatterbox because not only is he an amazing guy, he's really kind and fascinating, but he's also the first ever guest that we've had on Culips from Ireland. You know, every country in the English-speaking world has its own unique accent. Or actually, to be more specific, in most cases, every country in the English-speaking world has several different accents, and of course, Ireland is no exception. So I'm excited that you guys can get some exposure to a new accent, something a little different that you don't hear all of the time on Culips, and you can also learn about a new culture as well through getting to know David in this interview. So during the conversation that I had with David, we chatted about many different topics. I start the interview just by asking David some basic information about himself, about what he does for a living, and what his hobbies are. And then next, we talk about what Ireland is like, and what the people and the culture of that country are like. We also talk about the Irish language, and we compare some ways in which Ireland and Korea, the country where I live. Are similar, but yet at the same time really different. I asked David to teach me some Irish English slang, and he taught me some brand new expressions that I had never heard before, which I loved. And then finally, the interview ends with me asking David about some of Ireland's cultural superstars. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode, and I feel like the content for this one may be a little bit more difficult than our regular Culips content because of some of the cultural references that we talk about. But don't worry, there's an interactive transcript and a helpful study guide for this episode for all Culips members that will make listening and learning with this episode much much easier. If you're not a Culips member yet, become a Culips member today to get access to the study guides for all of our episodes, plus much more, like ad-free audio, access to the member-only area of our Discord server, invitations to our monthly member live streams, our Fluency Files series, which is member-only, and there's so much more. So to see all the details and to sign up and become a member, just visit our website culips.com or just follow the link in the description for this episode.
All right, so it's time to meet David. I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did. Here we go. Dave, hello, and welcome to the Culips English Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. So, Dave, I'll just give a little introduction to our listeners here. In a way, this is kind of part two of an interview series that we're doing here, because in part one, I interviewed your wife Alina, who is working at Culips here with us, especially on our Discord server, and. You know, it was kind of funny. In part one of the interview, Alina was telling us how she met you, and you know where you're from, and now she's living in Ireland. And I thought, wow, we should do an interview with Alina's husband as well, because we've never had a native English speaker from Ireland on Culips before. So I asked Alina, like, hey, do you think that would be okay? Would your husband be into it? And she said, you know what? I think he would be okay with that. And so here we are. We have you on Culips. And it's a pleasure to have you here. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm up for anything. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, Dave, maybe we could start just by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, we know you're from Ireland, but what city, and maybe what you do, or maybe some of your hobbies—that kind of basic stuff. If you wouldn't mind sharing that with us. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in a small village called Dunmoreist, which is like in a county kind of state called Waterford uh, in the southeast of Ireland. I'm a primary school teacher, so I teach kids from elementary school. So basically, I teach kids from age four to twelve. I enjoy music, uh, languages. I do enjoy languages myself. You know, I enjoy learning languages, and I play the ukulele、uh, from time to time. I like to draw as well, just kind of sketching and stuff. So I kind of have all these little kind of skills that are very good for primary school teaching. You know, when you're teaching kids. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure the kids like the ukulele. Yes, they do. They do. I can play a few little songs, like short, short pieces, but I'm still kind of working up to longer stuff. I have a colleague of mine who can like play a, a really good morning welcome song, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, this is so cool." Do your students learn how to play ukulele in school? Because I remember when I was in grade four of elementary school, we had a music class where we learned how to play ukulele. Do your students get that kind of music education? Yeah, they do. There's like an external kind of teaching team that come in and teach them the ukulele. Like different teachers have different skills. So a lot of Irish kids will learn the tin whistle. Which is like this very, you know, kind of a traditional whistle,、um, and yeah, that's kind of music education really in Ireland. Like they do get to go and do other kind of musical instrument classes outside of school. It's kind of extracurricular, but depends really on the skill of the teacher. So you said that you taught kids from age four to twelve. Does that mean that you have like just one big mixed class? So it, it's kind of split up into like I guess we call them classes, like in you guys in North America would call them grades. So we have kids in like kindergarten age in their own kind of separate kind of classes, and then it moves up to like first class, which is like kids that are age seven, and then you keep going up to like twelve year olds. Yeah, they're all in their separate classes. Now there are some schools, like in very kind of rural, remote areas in Ireland, where they're mixed together. So it depends on numbers, really. There's some very small communities here. 
Yeah. <laughs> I worked at an elementary school when I first came to Korea, which is where I live now. And that elementary school had just a handful of students for the whole school. It was, I think, under 50 students. So it was a very small elementary school, but they still had all the students in their individual grade. So I remember, I can't remember if it was like the fifth grade or the fourth grade, but one of them only had like four or five students in that whole grade, but they wouldn't mix the students together, which I thought was interesting because in a smaller Canadian school, it sounds like in a smaller Irish school as well, if there aren't that many students, they'll just sort of mix them together to make a bigger class. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how things vary from place to place. To go back to the instruments for just a moment, I just read this online today, so I'm not sure if it's true or not, but maybe you could give me some more info about it and correct me if I'm incorrect on this. But I read online that the harp is the national symbol of Ireland. And so I was wondering, huh, does that mean that it's like a popular instrument there? And do students learn the harp in school? It's such an awesome and unique instrument, but I imagine it'd be really hard to learn. What is the harps standing in Ireland? It's you. You're a hundred percent right. It's a official symbol. It's not the shamrock. And a lot of people they think that it's the shamrock, but it's actually the harp. It's uh, the back of a lot of our euro coins and has been since before Ireland had euros. I've only ever met one person that could play the harp, and she kind of tr like studied and trained for it since she was like a little girl. So she was actually training with me as a teacher. So that was kind of her special skill. I don't think she managed, well, she would bring it into classes all right and play it. But her main kind of business with it was like wedding performances and stuff. So she would go to weddings and play the harp there. But in terms of learning it, gosh, I don't know how you'd even go about it. It's a very specific instrument. And it's, from what she told me, it's very expensive as well. You know, the actual harp itself is very expensive to buy. Yeah, yeah. It's a very unique instrument. I just watched a ballet over Christmas. And for listeners, we're just recording this a few days after Christmas. I'm not sure when the episode will be released. But so I just saw this a few days ago, this ballet, and they had a full orchestra. And one of the instruments in the orchestra was the harp. And I paid a lot of attention to it because it just sounds so different than every other instrument when it comes on when there were harp parts in the pieces that the orchestra played. It's just a beautiful sounding instrument, but I thought it must be awesome to be a harpist or a harper. I'm not exactly sure what the <laughs> name is that we call a harp player, but in the songs that were being played, there weren't too many harp parts. So she would play for like 30 seconds or a minute and then rest for like 15 minutes while all of the other instruments, the violins are going the whole time, the French horns are going the whole time. So I thought, oh, this is a pretty good gig to be a harpist. Like you don't have to work too hard. So yeah, I don't know. Cool instrument anyways. It's beautiful sounding. Yeah, for sure. So, Dave, I was wondering if you could tell us about Ireland, because I think, as I mentioned to you before, you are the first Irish English speaker that we've had on the podcast. So I really want to introduce not only the variety of English that you speak and your accent, which is a little bit different than other parts of the English speaking world, but also just introduce our listeners to the country of Ireland, because I think... You know, it's a pretty small country. It is, you know, very popular and there are a lot of, you know, stories about Ireland out there. But just to get your perspective, if you could teach us a little bit about what life in Ireland is like. So maybe you could 
just tell us about the kind of things that Irish people are into. What are like some popular hobbies or sports or activities that Irish people in general like to do? And I've, I know this is kind of a hard question to answer because, you know, people ask me about this uh, all the time living in South Korea. They'll ask me like, what are Canadian people like? And I was like, well, how do I answer that? There's so many different kinds of people, but just in general, if you don't mind just giving us some generalities, that would be helpful. I would actually say that Canadians and Irish people share a similar, I guess, stereotype, which is that we're both very friendly people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And overly polite. Overly, yeah. I think we would be quite polite here as well. I guess in terms of like hobbies, Irish people really like sports. Like we really, really like sports. And we kind of have our own sports that we play. They're kind of Irish Gaelic sports. So Gaelic Athletics Association, which is our the GAA, they run these two types of sports. There's hurling, which is kind of like hockey, field hockey, except it's much faster. You can pick the ball up. You can hit it like through the air. It's quite physical and not a lot of protection, like maybe just like you'd wear a helmet for your head. But if you could imagine like 30 grown men in a field hitting each other with sticks, you know, that's kind of kind of what it looks like. Like when people not from Ireland like watch it, they're very like, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, this is very violent and brutal, but it's actually, it's a very skillful game, you know, and like you have to be able to balance the ball and run at the same time. And it's a very small ball, but the size of the tennis ball, but not as bouncy. So it's a very exciting game. And where I'm from, it's the main kind of interest in sport there. Then there's like another sport called Gaelic football, which is, it's like a mix of like soccer, except you can pick up the ball in your hands, kick it from your hands and you can kick it into a goal or over a goal and depending on where you kick it, you score more or less points. So is it similar to, to rugby, what we would call in North America rugby? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like similar to rugby, like the scoring over the goal is like a, is a thing. It's like a mix of soccer and rugby, basically. We actually do rugby. It's a really like the big sport here too. I think Ireland is definitely in the top five countries that play rugby last I looked yeah I don't really follow rugby but I know the world cup happened recently and I saw some clips during just on social media of some of the highlights of the world cup of rugby and I was so impressed it's brutal the guys are just slamming into each other and going all out and I thought well this sold me like I want to get into rugby it looks like such an interesting game and I don't think Canada is very good at rugby, although we do have rugby teams at all of our high schools, so it is played. But yeah, I never got into it, but it seems like a really, really interesting and fun sport to watch. So it seems like then sports are a big part of things that Irish people enjoy doing. One of the stereotypes I, I hear just about the climate of Ireland is that it's super green all the time and also super rainy all the time. Unfortunately, I've never been to Ireland. Are those things true? Yes, it is super green. And you only realize this as an Irish person when you travel away from Ireland and then you come back and you go, oh, that's what they're talking about. It's very green here. It must be nice. It is. Uh, it's beautiful. I think the rain part, I think we get rain frequently, but not heavily. You know, like it is said here, you could have the four seasons in one day. So it could be super hot super cold, rainy and dry, you know, in like just one day. And then there's like, and myself and Alina have seen it before, like when we go on our walks and stuff, 
it is possible to see rain from far away raining in one place in one particular time you can actually see the rain uh, but you're dry we do it is rainy when we get summers like we get really nice summers and what about in the winter now we're recording in the winter do you guys get any snowy weather at all or does it not get quite that cold unfortunately no we don't get that much snow a lot of storms a lot of storms actually we just had one so it's kind of a lot of wind a lot of rain as well places that are near to or next to the coast and rivers kind of can have floods occur and stuff so that's kind of the the major disasters in terms of weather here we tend to get like a lot of flooding like just for the storms snow i think one year many years ago we had like this huge snowstorm and like nobody went because we're not used to snow nobody went to work for a couple of days it was it was great (laughs) (laughs) so dave i have a couple of other questions about ireland that i wanted to ask you if you don't mind and i guess these are maybe aligned with my personal interest because i'm interested in learning languages and i also live in korea so i had two questions specifically that kind of relate to both of those things. And the first one, several years ago, maybe probably going back over five or six years ago now, I had an Irish coworker, and we worked really closely together at the same school. We shared an office and we became friends. And at that time, Facebook was really popular. So we became Facebook friends as well. And I noticed that she spelt her name in the Irish language on Facebook. And when I saw her friends and family post on her wall, I think this is now like dating me because these are like old social media expressions to post on somebody's wall. But when I saw her friends and family from Ireland post on her wall, I noticed the same thing, that they all had their names spelt in the Irish language, not in the English language. I thought that was really interesting. But all of the messages that they would send each other would still be in English. So they were communicating in English, but they had this, I don't know if it was like a a pride thing in the Irish language or maybe showcasing their identity or what exactly that was. But I was wondering, is this something that people do or was this just like maybe a fad at that time several years ago? Or like, what's the relationship of Irish people to the Irish language these days? It's more positive than it used to be, I would say. As a primary school teacher, that's one of the subjects I I teach in school, so I can speak Irish. I don't use it every day, but I can certainly understand it. But I would still be, I guess, a native English speaker because my parents spoke English. They would also be able to understand Irish, but again, not so great with the speaking part. In terms of the names, like some people have like a preference for their name being in Irish. Some people are just, their name is an Irish name and that's the way it is. I suspect your friend was a teacher as well. Yes, yes, she was a teacher, yeah. Yeah, it was a kind of a thing for teachers to guard their privacy on social media from their students. They would like change their name into their Irish name. So there's a top tip for everybody now if they want to find their teacher <laughs> on Facebook. But yeah, that was kind of the, that's one of the things. But generally, like some people are very, very passionate about it and they have their name. Like my name is completely different in, in Irish. Like I'm... David in English, but it's Dahi in Irish. So yeah, like in terms of the relationship then with the Irish language, I guess like it's been a difficult one, say over the past hundred years, because since the birth of the modern state, I should mention, Andrew, I'm a history buff. I love history. (laughs) Yeah, Alina gave me a heads up. So this is perfect. I'm also a history guy. 
So you'll love this. So after we won our independence, there was a big emphasis on restoring like Irish as our native national language. And there was an attempt to do it through school. Unfortunately, it didn't really work that well because people at the time didn't really see the benefit, the, like the economic benefit to learning Irish and being able to speak it every day. Because people tended to emigrate. They tended to emigrate to English speaking countries. So that's one of the reasons. There was other various complicated reasons. I'd say that's for a different podcast. But nowadays, there's a much more positive view of Irish, mostly because of like social media. There's a lot more people using it on social media platforms and a lot more Irish teachers that are actually teaching to people who are not from Ireland. So you have like people in Canadian universities. I've heard of Canadian universities uh, that will teach, you know, Irish uh, in the States. Yeah, in a lot of different places. Um, we do have specific areas in Ireland where people are native Irish speakers. Their parents were, and grandparents spoke Irish. They tend to be in the west of the country. Places like Connemara in Galway and then you have Ring, which is in my county and Waterford and um, up in Donegal as well. People speak exclusively Irish in these places um, and they get a lot of support from the government to continue that way of life. And a lot of students go to these places to learn Irish. So part of my teacher training, I would have had to spend uh, a month living there in these areas, which was really cool. Full immersion. Personally, as a language lover myself, I think that's great that some of these languages that were really on the brink of extinction, you know, very close to being extinct, are making a comeback and there's a lot of effort to learn them again. I think that's, that's awesome. What about like, you said that there were people outside of Ireland learning Irish. If I were to learn some Irish as a Canadian guy living in Korea, and then I visited Ireland and I wanted to practice if I went into just a shop or a pub and tried saying something in Irish, what would the reaction to that be? I guess you, you might get a confused look. <laughs> yeah, you'd get a very confused look and then somebody might say, you know, uh, you can speak English here, it's fine. It's, uh, yeah, you you get me a confused look for definite. There was this short movie uh, made in Irish and it kind of tackled a similar thing. It was like a, a guy from China picked Ireland as a country that he wanted to go to and he took out books in the library thinking that everybody in Ireland spoke Irish and learned Irish past like the level that like somebody in Ireland could converse and it was a very funny short movie I think it was called You Ming Isanam Dum which is it's very funny <laughs> okay is it on YouTube or something it's on YouTube okay maybe you could send me the link later I'd love to check that out sounds funny <laughs> I'll send you the link Dave, I, I wanted to switch the topic a little bit and to get into some Irish English. And I know each country in the English-speaking world has their own slang, has their own expressions that are unique to that area. So I have a little quiz here for you. I kind of wanted to, to run by and see what you say. And we'll see if we could maybe introduce some Irish-English slang to our listeners. And so I have just three here. And we'll start with the first one. Ah, I'm curious. What do you call a group of your guy friends in Ireland? Like in Canada, we say the boys. If I'm going to go and hang out with my friends who are just guys, then I'll say, oh, I'm hanging out with the boys or I'm getting a drink with the boys or something like that. What would you say in Ireland? What do you, do you say the lads or? Yeah, we just say the lads. The lads. Okay. 
<laughs> it's the lads, yeah, yeah. It's lads all the way. The lads. Yeah, that's pretty much it, actually. When you were talking, I was trying to think, was there anything else? I think, no, it's just the lads. The lads, all right. I think a lot of English-speaking countries do that. I think maybe in Britain, they say the lads. Maybe in Australia, they say the lads. But in Canada, we say the boys. Okay, what about this one? What would a city person call a person from the countryside if they wanted to act sort of hoity-toity and superior and look down on the countryside person, maybe indicating that they're less educated or less cultured than a city dweller? I think in Canada, we'd say something like a hick, like that person's a hick. What about in Ireland? Do you have an expression for that? Uh, we do. A culture. A culture. Wow. Okay. That's a new one to me. A culture. Yeah. How do you spell that? C-U-L-C-H-I-E, I think. Yeah. I'm not often had to write it down. Now, the whole, it's kind of more people from Dublin because Dublin is the main it's the city. Everywhere else, it, you don't necessarily have to be from a, a rural area. But if you're from outside Dublin, you can be still called a culture. I've heard people say culture means cultured, you know, as in trying to like, you know, pull some dignity out of the phrase. I would say it's not so like, you know, hick would have like kind of negative connotations. But I think like people... Like I'm a culture and I'm pretty proud about it. You know, there's something about like coming from a rural kind of area. It's very different to life in Dublin. We have a phrase for, for like for people who live in Dublin, we would call them Jackines, which is kind of like Jackines. Uh, it's kind of, I can't remember the actual origin of it, but yeah, it's sort of, that's what you'd call like a person from Dublin, a Jackine. Okay. So you have the Jackines and the Colchis. Very interesting. And finally, I'm sure in all varieties of English, there's a million different expressions for calling somebody who's drunk to refer to somebody who's drunk. But in Canada these days, I hear a lot of people say this expression, which I think is really funny. Actually, they call a drunk person buckled, buckled. So they say something like, oh, he was super buckled last night. I'm wondering what's the kind of expression you would use in Irish to refer to somebody who's had too much to drink? We would use actually buckled as well. Oh, really? Okay. I wonder if that came from Irish originally because I didn't hear it until recently. I don't know if you're familiar with this as much, but there's a lot of immigrants that have moved from Ireland to Canada recently, either to immigrate or just to, to work on like a working holiday visa for a couple of years. So I wonder if that like came over from Ireland. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because like I've no, I've no friends of mine that have worked in Canada. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Actually, funnily enough, Newfoundland, you know, the Newfies. Apparently, here's a quick quick fact for you. Uh, Newfies are, a lot of them are descendant from where I'm from, from Waterford. And I've met a couple of them and they sound very similar to people from the city, Waterford City, which is bizarre. Like they have the same accent. It's bizarre. I mean, I've never been to Newfoundland, but I do have some friends from Newfoundland and great people, great culture, but it's like a really unique kind of like Newfoundland culture almost. I wouldn't really want to say that it's Canadian culture because it is very specific to that location. And it seems like almost in between, between like Irish and maybe Scottish culture and Canadian North American culture. So really interesting place. And going back to your question a bit, because I had to think, we might say something like I'm banjaxed. <laughs> banjaxed. 
And we we have like a couple of other ones. I'm not sure if I can say them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's probably some ones that I could guess that are maybe a little bit crude. But what does banjaxed mean? Like, what's the the breakdown of that word? Kind of like just broken. Like you wouldn't necessarily just call like if you said you were if you're drunk, you'd say I'm banjaxed. But like you could say like, oh my car is banjaxed. You know, as in it's broken down. Actually, I think there's another one we would say I'm flutered. Flutered, yes. I don't know the origin of that one. That's one. So I, th- I think that's the two. Banjax definitely would hear a lot more. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Dave. That's very interesting. I learned some new vocabulary myself, and I'll have to keep my ears open for it when I speak to some Irish people next time. I don't want to take up too much of your time. We've already had such a great conversation. But before I let you go, I did want to play a little game with you. Because I think as a Canadian person thinking about Ireland, you know, the country is quite small, really. Like, what's the population? Around 5 million people or so? I guess if you include Northern Ireland, it's 6 million, but like around 5 five million in the Republic of Ireland. Okay, so pretty small country. But I think maybe it hits above its weight when it comes to like pop culture, Irish pop culture in terms of like celebrities and musicians and bands and just people knowing about a country that size, you know, maybe compared to like a similar country of 6 million people or so, a lot of people in North America would know practically nothing about that country, but Ireland's an exception and we know a lot about that. So because of this, I wanted to play a little this or that game. And I'm just going to throw out some different pop culture references or references that I know about Ireland. And what I would like you to do, Dave, is to tell me what is your favorite one of the two that I throw out. And then also, what do you think is the most popular of them in Ireland? So what, like, maybe what is the one that most Irish people would say, oh, yeah, this is the best one. Is that okay with you? All right. Okay. That's all right with me. So I'm going to start with music because I know you're a music guy. So number one, Bono or Phil Linet? Phil Linet. Bono from U2, Phil Linet, yeah, from Thin Lizzy. Oh, Phil Linet. Yeah, Phil Linet, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Irish people? Would they be more like U2 or Thin Lizzy? I mean, U2 is such a huge band globally. Maybe Thin Lizzy not as much, but... That's really like, that's actually kind of difficult. Like, I think Thin Lizzy was like a band before their time. You know, they were like really like, they had amazing songs and they played like amazing music. But in terms of like a global reach, I think U2 really put us on the music frontier. You know, that we were really put us out there in terms of popular music. Like, I'd say there's a lot of U2 fans still like here. Like, it's kind of, we would acknowledge like Thin Lizzy's contribution. But also we would enjoy U2 every now and again. Bono himself can be very hard to, to swallow sometimes in terms of what he gets up to. But it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say whether Irish people like them both. It's kind of asking you to pick which, which child is your favorite. Right, right, right. They're both loved in their own special way. Yeah, they're both loved in their own special way. Exactly. Yeah. So next question is also a music question, but now with some women singers from Cranberries, Dolores O'Riordan. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sinead O'Connor or Enya, three massively famous singers. Oh. Who do you choose? I would say out of the three, Dolores O'Riordan from the Grand Reef, simply because of that song. I would choose her as well out of the three. So we're on alignment here. 
Yeah. I saw Enya's house once. Oh, yeah? Yeah. A friend of mine lives in the area that she lives in, in Dublin, Dalky, and she kind of lives in a castle. Yeah, I was going to say, I was surprised you said house. I always imagined her living in a castle. <laughs> no, she lives in, it's kind of a castle, all right, yeah. It's, uh, she has her own private beach. She's done well for herself. Yeah. And she would probably know where to go to learn the harp, too. She could probably hook you up with that info. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of Irish bad boys, Conor McGregor or Colin Farrell? Oh, are you asking me in terms of like who I'd prefer to like hang out with or? Yeah. Okay. Let's say it that way. You could, you could have, you know, I don't know, a drink with one of these guys or, or you could say neither. <laughs> I think I'd prefer Colin Farrell. I think Colin Farrell has really calmed down in the last couple of years. He's quite interesting as well. Conor McGregor, I mean, he's very, he's kind of a bit controversial, you know. He even, like, he does kind of, what do you call it, he kind of gets in trouble a little bit every now and again. So I, for Colin Farrell, I think he's settled, you know, he's settled down a good bit. Okay. <laughs> Matured a little bit. And is Conor McGregor just huge in Ireland? From whatever I, I see online, it seems like he's very, very popular there. Is that the actual case? Mm, I think he gets he gets a lot of attention, but I think if you asked like the average person, they'd kind of think that he was a bit of an Egypt, um, which is a fool. I, mean, I should say Egypt is a is a slang term for fool that we use a lot here. Okay, well, it sounds very similar to idiot. Okay, last question. I had to do a little research on this, so hopefully I'm not making a fool of myself. But berries tea or lions tea? Berries or lions? Wow, Andrew, you've done. A magnificent job on research. That's fantastic. I'm impressed. Oh, I would say lion's tea. Even though I drink berries a lot, I, I would say if I was buying it, lion's. There's a kind of a an interesting thing about that. Like berries tea is sort of associated with, the, with Cork City and lion's tea is associated with Dublin City. And there's a bit of like a rivalry between Cork and Dublin because... Dublin is the capital city and Cork wants to be the capital city. So it, there's, there's this kind of thing about berries and lion's tea, but I would drink both. I'm happy to drink both. I'd prefer lion's, but I'd, I'm happy to drink both. Then. Is there a big difference in the taste between the two? If you were set up on a blind taste test, could you pick one out? I would say there is, but if you asked Alina, she would say there's absolutely no difference. There's even better tea than this. Why are we drinking it? Well, Dave, thank you so much again for coming on to Culips and sharing your culture with us. It was very educational for me and I'm sure for all of our listeners as well. And now I'm going to put Ireland down on my bucket list as a place that I want to visit because it just sounds like a really fantastic place. And I hope that I can get there one day sooner than later. So thanks so much again for your time today. No problem. You're more than welcome to come anytime. All right, it's a wrap. That's going to bring us to the end of this one, everyone. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you found it interesting and helpful for building your English fluency. 
And congratulations on making it all the way to the end. You're taking the right steps toward becoming a better English communicator. So keep up the good work. And remember, there's an interactive transcript and a helpful study guide for this episode available for all Qlips members. And you can sign up and become a member by visiting qlips.com or by following the link in the description for this episode. If you have any questions or comments related to this episode, please join our Discord server. That's the place where our community gathers to connect with each other, to share our opinions, and discuss Qlips episodes in more detail. The Discord server is free to join, and the link to do that is in the description for this episode. And hey, I think even David is a member of our Discord server. So if you're lucky, he may even just reply to one of your questions or comments himself. If you enjoy learning English with Qlips, please support us by leaving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app, telling your friends about Qlips, following us on Instagram or YouTube, or by joining our Discord server. That's it for now, but I'll be back again soon with another brand new episode. Until then, please take care and I'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.